Welcome to another episode of Boba Talk, a podcast about boba and the side of life, half sweet. I'm Kathleen. I'm Monica. And today we will be reviewing Boba Guys. Uh, it is a Northern California staple that has now expanded to Southern California and New York. Uh, coming off of our hashtag Save Warrior None episode, we have a very special guest joining us today. Monica and I are super excited and humbled to introduce Warrior Nun Season 2 composer, Tangeline Bol Bolton. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, in addition to Warrior Nun, Tangeline has also worked on multiple video games, TV shows, and movies in her career. Uh, to name a few, Rise of the Tomb Raider, a video game. Uh, she's composed some, some for Freeform's Motherland Fort Salem. Uh, Apple TV's C with Jason Momoa and the CBS legal drama All Rise. Thank you so much for being with here with us today, Tangeline. I'm so happy to be here and chat Boba. I know. Yes. I know. All right. So before we get into the Boba review for this episode, we need to settle some things. <laughs> All right. Tangeline, what makes the perfect Boba drink for you? Oh. Well, first, the tea has to be pretty strong. It has to have a good ratio of a strong tea flavor to a sweet flavor. Um, and the boba has to be chewy, but still soft. It, it needs to be like the right amount of chew, but still with a little bit of softness. And if there's like a hint of sweetness in the boba, that's fine too, but it can't be like an overpowering. Mm -hmm. Okay. Saying. Okay. Yeah. That Ooh, sounds that's pretty, pretty much described. So you like? Uh, do you like it more like a milky? Uh, like yeah. More like I like. I just whatever milk it is, it needs to still have a creamy texture. So if like I'm using oat milk, it still mm -hmm. needs to be like, a good oat milk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, a creamy amount. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Name your top three boba spots in LA. Well, I do really like boba guys. I like Sunrite a lot. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. And then ooh, third. I don't know. Those are the two I'm liking right now. And then just, you know, mm -hmm. any like mom and pop type spot that pops up. Yeah. Or like a, a spot that has like a fresh component. I like like a fresh tarot. I'm into. Okay. Yeah, we have a sunrise up here, but apparently uh, Monica says it's not as great as the one in SoCal because she's from SoCal. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. Oh, really? of, of all the times that I've had it up here in the Bay Area, it's been very disappointing. I'm like, what is this? And then when I go to when I go to like SoCal, it's like delicious. I don't know. Wait, what are your both of your favorites? I need some new suggestions. I kind of like stick to the same. Okay. Thing. Um, you like what you like, you know. But yeah, there's Kathleen, always more to try. There's always more. True. I know. True. So my top three um, here in the Bay Area, and there is one in Southern California. Um, I uh, know it's in Irvine. There's one in Irvine. So the first one is Fantasia. Um, they were the first milk tea spot that opened in the Bay Area, like ever. And the reason why I like them is because they're they have the taro chunk. They use real taro. The chunk. Like, they need the chunk. Yes. 
So real taro puree, and they make it in-house. Um, so when you drink it, it's like, it's like you get the little the chunks and then also that kind of like chewiness of the taro plus add the milk and it's like the perfect blend. It's not super sweet too. So I love Fantasia for their taro and also just a regular milk tea. Um, it's really good. I think they're only here in NorCal though, um, in the Bay Area. Um, I don't think there's any in SoCal. The second, my second favorite is TPT. Uh, their strawberry milk tea and they're known for their, um, ooh, I forgot the name, but like the regular milk tea, it's phenomenal. Um, and their boba is pretty good too. So uh, those are my top two up here and you can definitely get TPT in SoCal. Uh, it's so hard, I'm staring at the boba. <laughs> <laughs> she's ready, oh she's ready. I know, she's ready, she's ready. She's ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my top boba spots. I would say boba guys. Another one is teaspoon. I go to them a lot. I think they're teaspoon. in. Yes. I love okay. Too. I forgot about that one. The fresh taro there is really good too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny? It's, it's like I I don't I don't drink taro, so I cannot say I live vicariously through Kathleen, and now through you. Um, oh, I guess another <laughs> another bonus question for you, Tangeline. Do you say taro or taro? I say okay. I feel like I used to say taro, but like I suddenly said taro at a certain point. But I don't. I don't really know why. So I okay. say taro now. Uh, okay, that's so weird because does, that, that, you does it that, bother you? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Monica, now that you asked that, I'm actually kind of thinking back. I'm like, I also used to say taro, and now I say taro, and I don't know when that <laughs> happened. <laughs> Same too. I know when I was a kid, there was like one. I, I grew up in New Jersey, and there's like one boba place, and we called it bubble tea. So that was also oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's a very triggering thing to say out here in Southern California because I remember when I moved here, I went to a boba place, and I knew like you say boba out here, mm -hmm. but I was like, can I have a bubble like a honeydew? bubble tea please and he, <laughs> and he started cracking up me, like non-stop laughing i was so embarrassed like oh my gosh i'll never make that mistake again yeah Same uh, boba. that's so funny my my uh, i have cousins in new jersey and so when they come and visit or when i go over there they love milk tea too but you're right they do say bubble tea so when my cousin goes, let's go get some bubble tea i have to pause and like what's that you know and then it, sound, it just sounds really funny yeah, so, so I did ask them. Yeah. yeah. I was laughed at. So. <laughs> we don't judge over here. We yeah, shame. we don't judge over here. Same no shame. <laughs> no shame. Um, no, so I would say those are my top two as far as, like, where I go to the most. But Boba is Boba. I will never say no to it. So. All right. No. Last question. And this is for everyone out there listening, especially for you two ladies. This is the new great debate. <laughs> what is Ava and Beatrice's boba order? So I feel like, yeah, I feel like everyone has a very like concrete answer for this, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like a lot of the fans have very, very concrete answers. Um, I feel like I'm kind of stuck on that idea that Beatrice likes the coffee boba now. Ooh, oh no! Okay, I lost you. 
Um, uh. Because of the strength, right? KTY really likes coffee. Is that why? So now it's like stuck in my head that <laughs> Beatrice. I mean, I, I think that's why. I'm not exactly sure if it's true, but I did see that it would be a really strong coffee boba and that um, Ava would drink a really sugary boba. <laughs> no, that's that's what I would like think. Like a fruit, too, but... right? Yeah, a fruit yeah. tea. Like a fruit tea with like the fruit chunks, right? Like the strawberry or, yeah. or what is it, those, those strawberry jelly stars. <laughs> yeah. I All right, Kathleen. All right, Kathleen. But what's your what are your choices? Kathleen, oh, what are your sorry, what, what are your what are your thoughts on? Yes. Okay. So I would agree with Tangeline. Um, I think Ava would get some f- like super sweet fruity drink, like strawberry or mango or anything like tropical. Um, and just because like you know she's fun. That's like her personality. I feel like she would really like a fruity drink. And Beatrice, which Monica knows, I relate to her a lot. So I feel like she okay, would so you want know. something. I, I don't know, but I feel like she would want something you know more earthy. Yeah, like more earthy, more uh, something more uh, subtle but bold at the same time. So kind of like a um, like so maybe something with like coffee, maybe like uh, like a roasted tea of some sort, where there's that roasted strong roasted flavor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, knows. So, I know. So I think that's what Beatrice would like, something to wake her up, but also, you know, I feel like she wants, she likes, she likes good things too. So she wants that nice flavor in her mouth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm with you on that. Cause that was my first response too. I said a roasted oolong. Yes. Yeah, something that's roasted. Yeah. Oh, we all know. I would say, <laughs> okay. So I have to agree, but disagree with you guys. With Ava, I, I could see the fruity thing, but I can also see her getting like the top most popular drink at 100% sugar. No chance. <laughs> because yeah, that's, just, that's, just, that's just her personality. And then, <laughs> and then for Beatrice, I would have to say the roasted oolong, but at the same time, I could see her being a matcha, matcha latte. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they all have caffeine. I think that's the most important thing. Is- <laughs> yeah, I think that's the most important thing is that they have caffeine. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Awesome. All right. So now that that's settled, um, so what are we drinking today? Um, Boba guys, Avi, let's go. Um, and like Kat mentioned, or Boba guys in the Bay Area, Los Angeles, and New York, if you guys want to try it out yourselves. And here is the Boba fact for this episode. Boba guys, double fisting. She, she's double fisting, guys. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. You, you, gotta, you gotta have, like, everyone got, it has to have some. Um, okay, so for the Boba fact for this episode is Boba Guys started as a pipe dream in 2011. The founders Andrew and Ben first met playing ping pong at the Bags and Backpack Company Timbuktu, based in San Francisco, and started hanging out. Their love of Boba, plus the unfortunate luck of their go-to Boba spot in the mission, Getting closed sparked the idea of opening up their own store. After a few years, they finally opened their first store in 2013 in the same mission location where their old go-to boba spot was. Talk about coming full circle. And just as a uh, as a as a notice, we are not sponsored by Boba Guys. So we this are not. Review is completely our own. 
But if you would like to sponsor any of us, any of us really, we yeah, accept. You would. We accept. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Let's get into it, ladies. So, open. Let's see. Tangeline, since you have two, which two drink did you uh, order? Okay. Everyone can hear us. ASMR. <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> um, okay, so I got... This is the one that I usually get. I got it with oat milk this time, but I, I usually get... I switch between whole milk and oat milk depending on how I'm feeling. But this is mm-hmm. the oolong, fifty percent sweet, um, with boba and oat milk. Okay. And then okay. Um, for my other one, I mix it already, so you you didn't see the bottom. It was kind of like a caramelly um, mm. color at the bottom. This was something. This is something that I've never had before, so I wanted to try it. It's um, matcha latte with caramel pandan syrup. Mm-hmm. Sounds really good, but there's no sweetness level, so we'll see. We'll see. But I've never had it, so I wanted to give like a fair review. Those are the ones that I got. Okay, Kathleen, what did you get? So I guess I was following in Beatrice's footsteps because I did get a roasted, uh, roasted green tea, also known as hoji cha. So I got the hoji cha latte with oat milk as well, Um, Mm. and. I don't think I was able to change the sweetness, so it's 100%, 100% sweet, mm-hmm. um, and no boba, because I normally don't get boba, which I now regret, because it's the boba review, so I don't know why I didn't get boba. No, it's okay. <laughs> All right, okay. It's and my then... new resolution to drink less boba. Oh, but you got two today. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Clearly, we're helping the situation. We're, we're helping I know. <laughs> You're totally welcome. (laughs) It's fine. Um, And then for me, as you guys, if you guys have listened to our old episodes, you know I'm a huge matcha fan. So I had to get the matcha latte with boba and oat milk. And 50% sweet. So, all right. Um, Let's take a sip. And we can start with the tea rating. Hmm. Okay. All right, Tangelian. Okay. So I guess wait. I should probably yeah, rate that one first. The oolong. Mm. Do I start with boba first, or do I start with the tea? Let's start with uh, the tea. Start, yeah, oh, the tea. So, okay. on a scale of one through ten, ten being the best, I would give it an eight point seven. Hmm, that's I know very specific. It's it's eight point seven because I like the tea flavor. Um. It's strong, but, ooh, okay, so the ice melts a little bit. So now I'm like, maybe it should be a little higher. If I, if I try to re- remember how it would be 
not melted. Okay, I'll just still say 8.7 because I feel okay. like it could be a little stronger than the tea, but it has a really good taste and the oat milk is really good too. Um, mm -hmm. 8.7. 8. Okay. 7. Okay. All right. And what is your boba rating out of 10? Um, I would say a 9. Ooh. It hit, all of your, it hit all, almost all of your criteria. Because it's chewy. It's still that chewy but soft. And it has a little bit of a sweetness, but it's not like an overpowering syrupy sweetness. Okay. And your overall rating of that drink with everything combined, the tea and the boba? 9.3. Ooh, that's wow. high. We love boba, guys. And this is my, my go-to drink. Normally, it would be a higher rating if I sit in Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Boba, guys. You heard it here first, guys. Um, yeah. Kendra, did you want to do your other drink? You guys go first and I'll. Okay. All right, Kathleen. All right. So uh, like I mentioned, I got the Hoji Cha Latte with oat milk, uh, regular sweetness. Um, they do not use, uh, I think, loose leaf teas or whatever tea they, uh, on their website, they mentioned that they use their Hoji Cha powder, um, which I'm assuming is crushed roasted green tea leaves. Mm -hmm. um, that taste is very apparent with this drink. Um, similar to Tangeline, I think the ice melted a little bit. Uh, so I did cheat and tasted it a little bit before um, we came on and it was the tea uh, flavor was actually a little bit stronger um, than how it is now. But I don't know, for some reason, I guess I gravitate towards nutty teas and nutty milk teas and boba. So uh, this one definitely has that earthy nutty flavor um, and it kind of reminds me of a little bit of coffee, like a little bit of that coffee, that coffee mm -hmm. flavor, you know, like that first sip of coffee and you're just like, Ooh, that's, that's good. Um, kind of has that. So the tea, I would definitely give it a, a nine out of 10. Ooh, that's hot. Um, okay. Yes. And then of course with the oat milk, it's super creamy. Oat milk is you know creamy in general. So I, uh, I like the creaminess of it. I don't have boba, like I mentioned, so I can't rate the boba. Uh, so I guess overall it would, it would be a 9 out of 10. Okay. Wow. We're doing well so far, guys. Okay. <laughs> My turn. Um, so I got the matcha and I will say it's really good matcha. Like I can tell because I've been drinking a lot of matcha, I can tell when it's like fake matcha and like really good quality matcha. And this is pretty good quality matcha and mixed in with the milk and kind of having the ice melted. It's a really good mixture of, I don't want to say mute flavors, but you can, you can taste the matcha, but it's not overpowering. And the oat milk gives it that oatiness that I really like. Um, so I would give that, I give it a nine out of 10 for the tea. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. They're nailing it right now. <laughs> All right, and the boba? I feel bad giving, feel bad giving <laughs> the 8.7 for the Uwam. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But the ice, no. it's it's like when the ice smells a little, yeah. you really can yeah. judge the tea. It's it's a, yeah. a good a good little test. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? You're you're probably right because I did give it a nine based off of my first sip, but like right now it's like an eight point five because the ice. Wait, wait, that's a green tea because I just had mine the the green tea with the pandan. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the green tea, I would definitely give like a nine. Because it's oh, their, okay. their matcha, their matcha is just really good. There, it is, it is. Do you taste the pandan at all? Okay, so I would say it has more of a like a slightly more caramel flavor. Mm-hmm. Wait, question for you guys, or I guess one of you guys, what is pandan? Pandan is a root. It's a root oh. vegetable. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, it's actually a. It's popular in Filipino desserts. Um, mm. uh, I forgot what it's called, but yeah, we usually have the pandan with like Jello and like whipped cream, cool whip whipped cream, and like beans and stuff. <laughs> I forgot what it's called. It's so but, good. Yeah, it's and so I, good. I've Do you know what it's called, Tangerine? I don't remember. I honestly God. haven't had such bad Filipinos. I know we're pretty bad. I only like know it mixed in things, and then like over the past few years, I've been into it more in like ice, like ice. You guys have Wanderlust, right? Yeah. Wanderlust. Yeah. yeah. Did it start Wait. in San Francisco? No. Wanderlust. The the ice cream place. Oh no, I don't think we have it up here. Oh okay, maybe maybe it started here then. But it's a really yummy ice cream shop, and they have tons of different like Asian flavors, mm. and they have a pandan ice cream. It's like a pandan cake ice cream, Ooh. like pieces of pandan cake in it. It's amazing. But yeah, I'm really loving similar, it. Yeah, we have a similar ice cream uh, ice cream shop in the in San Francisco that does Asian flavors, and they release it month like monthly or weekly, like certain flavors, like Thai iced tea. Um, mm. They've had other Asian flavors, flavors too. It's called Buko Pandan. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't remember the pandan part being. I just, yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think they used Jello. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, me and Kathleen, we got to make sure. Yeah. That's, that's what we're eating. <laughs> the next yeah. episode. The next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's yes! Go. Let's go! <laughs> go. Alright, um, let me just finish my boba review and then we can then we can move on. <laughs> um boba rating boba rating wise, I don't I don't well yeah, we got it in different places because Tangeline, you were saying that your boba your boba is like kind of soft and chewy the way that you like it, but for me, mine's is kind of chewy but a little bit firm which i i personally like so i'm kind of like huh okay but boba rating wise i probably give this maybe like an 8.75 it's 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 firm but it's a little it's just a hair over a little too firm of what i would like it to be but it's still good um sun, and my sun rate, oh sorry you. Sun oh no go ahead sunrise pretty good with the boba like a little hmm. softer Yes, yes, I I would agree with that, and then overall, I would give this drink a solid nine out of ten. Like, it's pretty damn good. And all right, Tangeline, your that boba. What is your boba rating mm-hmm. and your overall drink rating of that? 
Okay, the more I drink it, the more I love it even more. And the more I taste the pan down. Yeah. Mm, like the little, um, the creaminess of the pan down. It's very, very subtle, though, I will say that. It's definitely a yeah. stronger caramel mm-hmm. flavor, but it's kind of a more, like, a darker caramel flavor. Mm, and the green yeah. tea is mm-hmm. very strong green tea flavor. Um, and I imagine it being even stronger if, like, the ice didn't melt as much. Mm-hmm. And then I still love the boba. So, yeah, 9.5 for this one. Oh, yeah, Which I is, noticed that you're, um, yeah, I noticed normally, you kept, uh, normally I drinking that one. one. I know, yeah, this one's so good. <laughs> Well, normally I would I would give the oolong a higher rating, but I'm not used to the ice melting as much. But it's still very good. <laughs> I still love it. I guess you have a no go to drink. I know. Oh, it is sweet though. I would say the sweetness mm. scale would be like an eight point nine in terms of sweetness. It's pretty wow. sweet. That's pretty sweet. Wow. Or even an, even a nine if you're if you do like less than fifty percent sugar, it'd probably be a nine for you. Ooh. Oh, it's can they uh, can they adjust adjust the sweetness for that? Do you know? I don't know. I didn't see the option, but probably. Huh. Hmm. You know. Okay. Well, you convinced me. I'll try it. I'm a thirty percent sweet girl, so but I'll I'll try it. I like pandan. So. Okay, for dessert. Yeah, Sorry. dessert, dessert, milk tea. <laughs> always uh yeah cool that is our boca review section so i'm glad that we got to yeah he was like i've been eyeing this thing been waiting for you guys to just go <laughs> <laughs> now i gotta i gotta give my oolong a little love <laughs> all right now that we all have our boba um sipping on it now we'll get to the actual boba talk um like we mentioned this is Angelique. Um, who scored Warrior Nun season two. Uh, and one of the first questions we have, Tangeline, um, is uh, it's more of like your early life and how you got started. You know, um, was scoring film and TV shows and or scoring in general uh, something you've always wanted to do? Um, and what keeps you motivated and inspired to keep wanting to do what you do? Well, what I will say is I was always a very creative kid, always fascinated by everything, fascinated by nature, fascinated by music, um, fascinated by playing outside, putting on plays. So I definitely did have that in me. Um, sorry, my cat. Oof. Kind of oh. It's okay. <laughs> I held it together. Um, yeah, so I was always very fascinated. Um, with just lots of things, playing outside, um, putting out plays, loved music. And I learned playing piano at a very young age. My Lola was actually one of the first people to kind of teach me how to play some songs. Um, I feel awesome. like she probably just wanted me to perform them for everyone, but no. <laughs> yes, uh, that's a Filipino thing. <laughs> no, Kathleen agrees. I'm like, okay, no, it was definitely true. Yeah, my Lola and my dad were some the two early ones to teach me how to play piano. Um, so I, I love doing that, but I was also very introspective. So I started writing pretty young, but no one really told me like, okay, you're a composer or anything. It was just something I did for fun on the piano. Um, and then, yeah, as time went by, I was also really into filmmaking mm-hmm. as well. 
And then, yeah, it eventually led me to Berkeley College of Music, where I studied film scoring. And then um, I moved to LA and then just wanted to pursue film scoring full time. I did read somewhere that you wanted to be uh, a director. Is that true, uh, growing up? Well, in my teen years, I definitely toyed with that idea. I, I would like run around with one of those like camcorders and make little plays. Um, so I definitely did want to be a director, but I was also really into music and I also wanted to like still learn a lot about the world. So mm -hmm. I, I first went and did my liberal arts um, at this college called Ham Hampshire College in Massachusetts. Um, mainly because I didn't want to go straight to like a trade school, you know, like a film school or like a music school. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to learn, you know, more about the world. I don't quite know if I want to commit to being like a musician or a director. I feel like I'm still a little too young to like make that big decision. And maybe there's, you know, something else um, that I might be into. Who knows? So. I took classes in like everything, like um, economics, tons of different things. And then I finally decided I wanted to do film scoring, kind of tie my two loves together. I like that. <laughs> so what keeps you uh, motivated and, and inspired and, you know, what keeps you going and wanting to uh, uh, continue composing? Definitely learning and growing. Um, learning, growing are, are the two two top things on my list, I would say, because I, I don't like knowing that I'm like at the end. I always want to be pushing myself, um, getting inspired by different characters, getting inspired by, you know, new techniques or new ideas that I want to try out, um, new instruments I might want to learn, um, new combinations of sounds and instruments put together to kind of create another cool texture or sound. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a very curious person and I love to keep learning and growing in that way. Do you pick up instruments, like learning how to play instruments pretty well? I don't know if I'm necessarily playing them in like the conventional way. Uh -huh. um, if I took proper lessons with some of these instruments, maybe I would be playing them um, how they're meant to be played. But that's sort of the fun thing is um, just kind of picking things up and experimenting. One of the things in uh, 2018, there was an interview that you did with AfterBuzz TV, and you credited Bobby Tahuri, who is known for composing Marvel's Adventures and Rise of the Tomb Raider, the video games, Iron Man, and Game of Thrones. Uh, you mentioned that he is your mentor. Um, so how did you two meet, and what do you think is the most important thing that you took away from him? So I met him through my time at um, Remote Control, which is Hans Zimmer's uh, studio. And at the time I was working as like a general studio assistant. Oh, hi puppy. Wait, can you first introduce your dog? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is Buffy. She, she was scratching me, so she wanted to come up. Buffy, so when I chase Buffy. 
Um, so I was working at Hans River Studio at the time as like a, a general um, studio assistant. And I was doing a lot of things like, you know, making coffee, mm -hmm. um, really anything that they needed, I would do. And um, the, the other fun thing, though, about that was I had the opportunity to sit in with like like tons of different composers who had rooms at, really cool. at the studio. That's awesome. So all I had to do was ask. And usually they were always really, um, really kind to let me come sit in and watch them work. So um, amongst all the people that I had gotten the chance to do sit-ins with, um, Bobby in particular was always just really, really um, just down to have me watch him work. And also very patient and kind and always, um, explaining what he was doing, um, very personable, um, asking, you know, uh, questions about me and like what I, I do musically. And we just had a, a good, um, rapport and, mm -hmm. and, and I had done tons of sit-ins with him and we got to know each other pretty well. And then by a certain point, um, it just led to him needing some help. Um, eventually, when he landed Rise of the Tomb Raider, the, the game, and then um, another show on Nickelodeon, and he started needing a little bit of extra help. So it kind of just naturally progressed um, to a, like a mentorship slash um, assistant situation. So it was it was cool because he was um, very down to, to also teach me. I was pretty young at the time. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of experience yet. Um, so I appreciated that he kind of took me under his wing and just taught me tons of technical things um, about composing and, and music programming and like things like sampling different instruments and how mm -hmm. can I turn those into um, sample libraries that you can kind of play on the piano, prepping orchestra. So tons of different skills that I learned from him. My biggest takeaway was just um, that you don't have to always have an ego and to just like treat people kindly. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's rare sometimes in Hollywood to come across um, people like him. So very mm -hmm. grateful. Oh, I'm glad that you found like a really like awesome mentor because I think that makes all the difference. Um, whether you're in the music industry, entertainment industry, or in the tech industry in general too. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, it really does make a difference in being able to uh, learn and also understand like your type of uh, mm -hmm. style um, and what style, you enjoy too, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, what would you think is the most important thing that you took away from him? Um, yeah, again, that like treat people with kindness and um try not to like put your ego too much into things it's just um mm -hmm. in the end we're all here to learn we're all here to grow we're all here to um you know like make art together make movies together um and it's it's easier when we can all just treat each other with kindness so and yeah. that's exactly how he treated me with just tons of um respect and kindness and I mean, of course, he was, you know, he had his demands, 
but he he never yelled at me anything like that um so that's just something like i i took into my own work is um there's like a right and a wrong way to say something so as long as you're fair and honest and kind Uh, you know speaking since you said that you when you first started working with um the Hans Zimmer studio uh you were young um have you ever experienced imposter syndrome uh, today or before um is that something that you've struggled with or do you feel like have you felt like I'm pretty bummed with this like I'm I'm... (laughs) the latter (laughs) no I mean, it's, it's a funny thing. I feel like sometimes when you're younger and you want to take a big risk, like being a composer or being a director, being like an actor, anything that's like um, a big risk, you have like a certain amount of, okay, I can do this. I think I'm good enough in you. Right. Even though you might not have the skills yet, um, might, you might not be completely refined yet. You have that kind of, confidence and it's also because you don't there there's a little bit of that you're a little naive too because you haven't learned everything about the business yet um so i think as you work in it longer and longer sometimes that imposter syndrome starts to happen because you know more about the business you know how much harder it is to get a gig um when you're younger you might just think oh i apply for the gig and then I'll just get it or I won't get it. But people don't realize that, you know, you go out for the gig, you send maybe a general reel, and then you get a response and you got to do the interview. Then you might have to do another interview. Then you might get the job, but then you have to negotiate the contract. So there's many oh, wow. things that go into it. So there's many um, places where imposter syndrome could come back out again because you start overthinking, oh no, am I good enough for this job? Because yeah. you see how much higher the stake the stakes are. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I would say imposter syndrome definitely followed me up to maybe the last couple of jobs that I got. Um, because they were like the two jobs where I started really feeling like, oh, I'm like I'm I'm at that point now where I'm starting to get some really cool opportunities and mm-hmm. start really finding my voice. So I feel like when you get to that point, it's almost like a test. Like, can oh, yeah. you rise to the occasion? So mm-hmm. it's just kind of getting through that quicksand a little bit of yeah. there's that thought in my head that's saying, oh, you can't do it, but am I going to go that way or am I going to go the other way? So. I definitely have those thoughts every once in a while, but it's telling myself, okay, I must rise to the occasion. And I, I am yeah. good enough. I, w- I was hired for this job because hopefully they like my music and they like me. So I just have to say that's enough and just put my all in it. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I think you just got to remind yourself um, and that's for anyone, you know, like you, <laughs> if you got a job opportunity and you're saying like, oh, maybe I can't do this job, but they hired you for a reason. They saw something in you. And I think, um, it's, it's all of our anxieties <laughs> it's all of our anxieties and, and wanting to like do really well. And I think that, um, we just have to keep reminding ourselves like, Hey, we're in this position already. We got it. There's something yeah. there. So, yeah. 
Let's hop over to the Warrior Nun questions now, since my guess is a lot of the listeners are here for that. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Tangeline, how did the Warrior Nun project come about for you? So I'd, I'd already had sort of a connection with Netflix through, through some various things. So it was, I was, I'd been up for a couple of projects before that, um, but I hadn't quite land anything just yet under myself as like the main composer. And then I'd heard about this project through Netflix and my agent, and I was asked to give a general reel. And I think it was, I don't remember exactly what was on there. It was, it was just a general reel. And then um, I eventually got the news that uh, Simon liked my music. And if I could send another reel that was a little more catered. So I think having maybe some like mm -hmm. vocal elements, um, some action elements, just a couple other things that were um, a little more refined for, for Warrior So I sent that along with like a couple little demos I put together um, showing just how I might approach season two. And uh, we sent those off. And then I eventually heard back that Simon wanted to have a meeting. And so um, I, we scheduled the meeting and then, you know, I was like preparing, like, okay, well, he might ask me this question, he might ask me this question. <laughs> Just, and, and by that point though, I should mention this, I had seen Maureen on like a bunch of times already by this point, because I was like a fan already. Yes, so like I knew everything about it. Just, you know, over preparing. So I had the meeting and then it was very chill and we were just talking, getting to know each other. Um, and quickly he said, okay, well, I just wanted to put a face to the name. Uh, I want to give you the job. And I, and I screamed right away. And then oh. I screamed and then I told myself, I was like, no, in, in my mind, I no, screamed, that's not professional. <laughs> It's fine. I think it's <laughs> And then right after that, I was, I immediately started asking Simon, can you give me all the spoilers? I want to know all the spoilers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he gave some spoilers. I mean, he nice. some spoilers, not all of it. Okay. He, <laughs> the biggest one I wanted to know was Avatrist, right? So I was like, so yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to just flat out say I like I was just digging, and he said, well, I definitely want to have a theme for like a relationship this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, this season. And I'm, and then I said, what, look, like who between who? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, I like and I screamed again. <laughs> And I was just so pumped um, that I got the job, and I was just so excited. Oh my god! What a what what like a full circle moment for you because you've been like you mentioned you were a fan of the show, and then just like getting essentially kind of I guess like in a way your dream job because like you love that show so much and being able to like score it that must be a dream come true for you. It was a dream come true, and especially because of the scope of the show. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I love all genres, but 
I was really just itching to do that big like orchestral hybrid, but like action, mm -hmm. but with different genres mm -hmm. in it. So I was just so excited uh, to write the music and like just coming up with tons of ideas and go from action to, you know, romance to different types of genres. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the fun thing about we're not so genre bending. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I've um, yeah. I've had so many people. Uh, I've told them like, watch the show; it's really cool. And they try to describe it. You know, they ask like, "Oh, what's it about?" I'm like, "Well, it's like fantasy and sci-fi and action." But then you know, there's a little bit of a like lighthearted comedy, like lightheartedness that you you find. And I'm like, yeah, it's everything. Just watch, just, just watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like if it, it's not like laugh out loud, like mm -hmm. like you know stomach bending uh, comedy. It's more like that subtle, like the conversations, right? It's like the conversations, yeah. the little quips that they they say to each other, the facial expressions that mm -hmm. that make you want to like smirk or like giggle. Um, I don't know. It's just a great show. In a recent hashtag Do Me a Solid podcast episode with Jake Belnick, you noted that Simon Barry involved you very early on in the process for season two. And because you were already a fan of the show, what were those conversations like? And did you already know what kind of sound you wanted to create for the show? I didn't know right off the bat. Um, mm -hmm. Not right off the bat, just because I hadn't read the scripts just yet. Um, I, I could maybe mm -hmm. kind of speculate a few things based off of our, our first conversation. Um, but tonally, the biggest thing um, was tonally, there, there was a massive change in season two. So kind of a lot of like looming undertones, especially with Adriel and his like followers, that the FBC, mm -hmm. um, that I started immediately picking up as I was, uh, once I received the scripts, once I, I started reading the scripts. Um, so yeah, it was once I started really diving into those scripts, I was able to start visualizing, um, and hearing some music ideas and, um, the tones and the instruments and, and palette that I wanted to start putting together. So it was, it was, as I was reading those scripts, I would, you know, open up my computer and start building a template. So I want, I knew I wanted to have some sort of instrument for eight his followers so I, I wanted to have the water phone um, mm -hmm. as something that was just lingering in the background nothing too in your face um, but just something to kind of carry us um, through the season to have kind of like an ominous quality so what I did with the water phone is, is I used um, a reverse water phone for some moments when mm -hmm. the FBC or maybe um, um, yeah, certain certain people in the FBC would be like walking around or just a creepy moment, ominous moment. Um, I would have water phone, and then I knew I wanted to have a little bit of organ here and there for like Duretti, a little bit of organ, but also like I, a hurdy gurdy that I used. I I pitched it down by like two octaves to kind of just be like a pad, like a little ominous pad in the background. So you might not notice it's a hurdy-gurdy, but the essence of it is a hurdy-gurdy um, to kind of show um, a hint at the Middle Ages because he's, he uses a lot of like torture devices from the Middle Ages when he's down yeah. in the basement. Mm -hmm. And you, you start feeling his paranoia too. So I wanted to kind of play with that. 
so those are a couple couple things but i started basically putting mm-hmm. together my palette um, as i was reading the scripts and then along with the traditional stuff like orchestra and then uh, choir elements and like the lyre some ancient instruments too combination of everything in an interview that you did with production hub you mentioned that your favorite scene to work on was the scene where Ava was training and running on the water, but what was the hardest scene to score and why? Hmm. Okay, there was a scene when Mother Superior starts going crazy, like killing all those guys. I think it was in that epic oh, yeah. scene. With Mother yeah. Um, that initially wasn't too hard to score, and I I originally had like a really cool like synth thing kind mm-hmm. of as the main forefront, but um, later in the mix, with all the sound effects, it was just getting buried. So I had to make adjustments later um, with the ranges of my instruments. I had to kind of adjust uh, my drums a little bit to make certain elements more prominent. And also like the more high-end elements of uh, the percussion more prominent to to give uh, more room to the sound effects and you know the blood and the stabbing so i would say i mean in that sense maybe that scene um and it's it's definitely something to keep in mind too if you're a composer because you have to sometimes you have to try to visualize or imagine how how the sound effects might be later because i don't always get those elements as I'm composing. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say that scene. There are so many good scenes. To be honest, I mean, it, it was pretty smooth. It was just, um, yeah, it's just sometimes, you know, in the mix, there's like certain elements that need to be further balanced, mm-hmm. which is pretty normal though. Okay. I mean, that's good that it was a pretty smooth process because I know sometimes I guess this leads into my next question, but kind of not really. I think you kind of answered it. But have you ever experienced like composer block um, or com- yeah, composer's block while working on season two? And if so, like, how did you how did you kind of overcome it? Um, I didn't really have yeah composer's block or like writer's block um, as I was composing. It was mainly just trying to find the right moments where I had the least amount of distraction. So I could like really utilize my creativity. Um, so sometimes during the day, um, there's more distractions that pop up or you have to tend to a lot of emails or you're doing spawning sessions, which sometimes can take, you know, one hour to, I mean, luckily for working on the spawning sessions, we're very smooth. Um, but sometimes for other projects, spawning sessions can take longer where you have meetings. So there's just like little things throughout the day that kind of take your creative juices in other directions. Um, So I did sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of the time, um, find myself composing late at night. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) I was was pretty much, I don't know if it has something to do with like Adriel, the demon hours or something but <laughs> it, was, it was pretty normal that around 3 a.m was when the best 3 a.m yeah 
you know too okay yeah that was when the best ideas would come out so then i started getting yeah. used to kind of that sort of routine working at the night and then bam three a.m this is all being i mean they do know, they do say 3 a.m is the witching hour it's true oh no so something was sending <laughs> me things from the universe down yep. here so yep <laughs> Good vibes. That's so, what it was. Good vibes. Good vibes. Yeah. And the last question for you in this section, um, you know, what are you most proud of about this project? And by the way, congratulations on the nomination for the David um, Braxton Award um, for Emerging Talent. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I don't. Biggest achievement. Like first it was rapping it and, and it being the music being successful and everyone being really happy about the work that I, I did. I, I was really happy about that. But then it kind of became just being a part of like the fandom too and, and mm -hmm. this other community that I didn't even know existed. So I would say that that was like the highest part of this project was just being a part of the Warren and fandom and the community and all of you are so positive and just like this bright light. And it's really been making the past few months. And I love you all. It's, it's really like <laughs> giving me like love in my heart. I don't know. That's what I would Oh, We welcome you with open arms, Tangeline. That's what Aww. it is. This fandom is like, they, they dedicate so much of their time and I'm sure they mm -hmm. all go to school or have full-time jobs, but you know, they really are proponents for this, for the show and it's affected them in, in so many ways, whether it's Ava and Beatrice's relationship or, you know, um, interacting with the fandom. I think it's, it's been a huge community that a lot of people are really taking notice now. Yeah. And it's, it's so positive. I love that, you know, like, hate's not accepted like it's just always so <laughs> positive it's so rare to to find mm -hmm. a group like that so and such a large no, group <laughs> no yeah. i totally agree yeah. i totally agree i feel like you know we've been all been a part of fandoms before and this one i always i always tell kathleen this this fandom is nuts, but in like the best way possible and i give them so much credit because they they just love this show so much and that's really the bottom line of why they do what they do and i'm just amazed by it i'm like blown away so me too yeah